Okay, well, my name is Beck, and I'm blessed and excited to share the Word of God with you today. And today our message is, God is with you. So recently, I encountered an individual and a very unusual and unfortunate situation. And that's just how life goes sometimes. And there I was experiencing this surreal and unforgettable moment. You're a nobody, he said to me. I couldn't believe what I was hearing, but then he said it again to prove his point, and I think he was serious. I walked out of there and thought to myself, did that really just happen? And did he just say that? And did he really mean it? And I thought, he's right. To him, I'm a nobody, at least in that moment. To the world, depending on who you ask, that <laughs> I'm a nobody. But it turns out none of that matters, though, because I know who I am. I'm a child of God, as are you, a daughter or son of the Most High King, a no-nonsense woman. I've learned to love the sound of my footsteps walking away from someone who calls me a nobody, returning to the arms of my Jesus, my Savior. While I may be a nobody in the world, I'm somebody to Jesus, and so are you. Someone worth loving, someone worth dying for. In Romans 5, 8, we hear, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. In Isaiah 49, 16. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are never, your walls are ever before me. Jesus has engraved us on the palms of his hands through a suffering death to bring each of us home. He's connected to us, never far from us, and we're always on his mind. So this nobody experience was another reminder of just how harsh this broken world we live in actually is. To the world, you might be a nobody, but you are created in the image of God. You're a member of God's family. I've always been a somebody, as of you. And when we look in the mirror today with many of us on a healing journey, we may see pieces of somebody we used to know, and we may be learning about the somebody we are becoming, and that's all okay. A few years ago, one of my mentors suggested I choose a photo of my young self and put it on my mirror as a daily reminder that I am forever a child of God, that I was once a child in this harsh world and that that child deserves healing and nurturing and protection. And I'm allowed to defend my peace and my space in building a healing environment in my life. And so are you. And so we build a no-tolerance policy for aggression, demeaning, inappropriate statements from myself to myself and from others to guard our hearts. And so this year nobody experience was practice in exercising my peace and protection of my peace. Jennifer Rothschild says it very well. You are not your current failures or your past mistakes. You are not your successes or your virtues. You are not what you do, what you did, what you haven't done, what you should have done, or what you wish you'd done. You are not what you have gone through. 
You're not what someone else has said about you. You are not a nobody. You are chosen, whom God calls his beloved. You've always been everything to God, no matter how much the world has used you and denied you. I've learned that if the world denies you, that can be a good thing. That can be a thing worth being thankful for. It may mean God's protection over your life, redirection, and or you're doing something right for God, for others, for yourself. And the world may not understand that, and that's more than okay. God, Holy Spirit, Jesus is the teacher of all teachers. God's creation is also a teacher. We're created to be lifelong learners. And above all things in nature, I personally love the ocean and the creatures that live there. I was late to watching the award-winning 2020 documentary, My Octopus Teacher. If you haven't seen it, you should watch it. And I related most to the filmmaker and writer, uh, Craig Foster's sentiment, when he says, you slowly start to worry about all the animals, even the tiniest little animals. You realize that everyone is very important. Everyone is very important. Recall Matthew 6, 26. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you of not more value than they? Yes, to Jesus you are of more value than they. Many stories in the Bible we see someone viewed as a nobody by the world, only to be revealed as a somebody to God. The bleeding woman, David, Elizabeth, Gideon, Gomer, Mary, the Roman centurion, the shepherds, the thief on the cross, the woman at the well, the woman who anointed Jesus in the New Testament, and many more. And another nobody, at least for many years in the world's eyes, Jesus. He always goes before us because he loves us. St. Augustine said this about Jesus, that he loves each one of us as if each one of us were the only one in all the world to love. Remember the story of the bleeding woman. Much of what you need to know about her story is evident in the fact that even the Bible didn't record her given name in the world, because that's not what really mattered. She is faithful despite her prolonged suffering for over a decade, and her faith heals her as Jesus reminds her of her true given name, daughter. Truly no other name matters. The bleeding woman, the sick one, the unclean outcast, the whatever. To Jesus, you are daughter or son, and in his time you will be healed. Even if not fully healed until heaven, it will happen. Just as the bleeding woman was healed not long before Jesus would bleed on the cross for each and every one of us. Isaiah 43, verses 1 and 2 says, But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 139, and I'll pray us in. Lord, lead us close to you tonight and open our hearts to hear what you have to say and just 
let us be enveloped by your love and see the vastness of your love for each one of us as your daughters and as your sons. In your name, amen. So as we're turning to Psalm 139, a reminder that this is a psalm of David, a nobody-turned-king whose family bloodline led to Jesus. And I'd like to read an introduction by Charles Spurgeon to one of the most notable of the sacred hymns. It sings the omniscience and the omnipresence of God, inferring from these the overthrow of the powers of wickedness, since he who sees and hears the abominable deeds of words of the rebellious will surely deal with them according to his justice. The brightness of this psalm is like unto a sapphire stone or Ezekiel's terrible crystal. It flames out with such flashes of light as to turn night into day. Like a pharos, this holy song casts a clear light even to the uttermost parts of the sea and warns us against that practical atheism which ignores the presence of God and so makes shipwreck of the soul. So, Psalm 139, starting at verse 1. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body, and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake, I am still with you. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Amen. So today we'll be spending 10 minutes 
in quiet reflection with Jesus together. And then I'm going to come back up and share an experience that I hope will encourage you to work through whatever it is that needs work. If you don't yet know Jesus, take this quiet time to acknowledge a deep sense of yourself and where you need healing in your life. Ask God to open your heart, to quiet your mind. Pray to Jesus. Request the presence of the Spirit that dwells in you to rise up and remind you of who you are, God's creation, God's child, and chosen family. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works in which God prepared in advance for us to do. What does good work look like for you? Have you lost yourself in the doing of the day and neglected being, neglected reflecting and soaking in his presence? Have you forgotten to dream big with God? Are you longing for a deeper sense of self or for a renewal? We're going to take these minutes and ponder the ways in which you've been reminded that you're not a nobody, past or present, and ask for direction and for God's help to become the best version of you to help further the kingdom of God and encourage healing in the world around you. This is going to require vulnerability and strength and grit. Asking God to reveal to us the parts of ourselves he knows better than we do and working with him yielding to his way for our lives in order that we may be healed. Body, heart, mind, spirit, broken, whatever it is, he can heal us. But first we must be willing to meet God and meet ourselves in those broken places. Remember the bleeding woman. She worked hard for a cure selling all of her belongings to pay for doctors and procedures, and she was humbled in knowing that nothing of this broken world could heal her broken body. And in knowing that, she trusted God, and she had the strength in him and the grit to push through the crowd in faith after Jesus and seek him for healing. And now it's our turn, starting with 10 minutes.
Well, I hope our quiet time was healing and challenging too, um, and that you take some more time to dive in this week. Um, I'll share a piece of my story that I've been recently working through. About a year and a half ago, um, the message of Psalm 139 saved my life during a panic attack um, in about 100 feet of water. I was diving, scuba diving off the canyon of La Jolla Shores here in San Diego, just me and my dive buddy, and the goal was to go down to 130 feet, and the cutoff for recreational dive limits is about there, so definitely wasn't planning to go past there. Um, and this was pretty deep for me. <laughs> I'd only been there a couple times before and definitely not out here in this cold, dark water. And I ended up calling off the dive around 110 feet and signaled to my buddy that it was time to go back and turn around and start making our slow ascent up the wall. My buddy was confused, probably a little bit agitated as to why I was terminating early, um, but there's no ego in scuba diving if you're gonna stay alive. So he agreed and followed me back out to safety. And the journey pack took over half an hour. You have to realize at that depth, you can't safely ascend rapidly. If you're gonna make it out without an injury or an embolism or a stroke, essentially, you have to go slow and make safety stops. And this dive, I think I had my first experience which with uh, what is called nitrogen narcosis, which is essentially nitrogen anesthesia. And it can really mess with your head, <laughs> needless to say, um, just as the world and culture messes with our heads and clouds our judgment. It was like being drunk, but a very scared drunk. I had tunnel vision and for some time I thought I was gonna pass out because my vision was going in and out. And I knew it wasn't vertigo. It was different than anything I'd ever felt before, especially underwater. And if it wasn't for the recognition that God was with me in that moment, I may have been seriously injured or drowned. And in that time, I spoke to Jesus and I asked him to keep me safe. I asked him to keep me breathing because you can't hold your breath. You can't hyperventilate. You have to keep breathing. It was really dark down there. I had a flashlight, but if I looked back at my feet toward my fins, I couldn't even see that far. And worse was that five years prior, I lost a really dear friend in a scuba accident. I wasn't there for it, but unfortunately had seen the footage of the rescue team recovering his body, and that started flashing in my mind. I thought I was dead. I was claustrophobic. I was having trouble maintaining myself in the water because my body just wanted to get out. My mind was fighting my body to keep me alive. I wanted to tear off all the support gear, and I knew that was unproductive and outright dangerous. I just wanted to get out, get on the beach, get my toes in the sand, lay in the sun, and smell the salty sea air. I didn't want to drown in it. <laughs> and Jesus eventually eased my racing mind, reminding me of Psalm 139. If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day. 
for darkness is as light to you. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. And when I awake, I am still with you. God was going to wake me from this terrible experience, and whether I lived or died, I would still be with him. Whether I was going to drown and make my bed in the depths or make it back to the sandy shore alive, God was with me. And I felt an overwhelming peace as I reached my first safety stop and my vision started clearing up. I could get my bearings, follow my compass back to shore. I was so close to home on the sand. The rays of sunlight were dancing in the shallows and life seemed more vibrant and exciting than ever. The narcosis was wearing off and I'd made it this time. God created me, he created you. God knows you, he knows your traumas, your experiences, intimately and thoroughly knows your body and character, your dreams, your goals, your ambitions, your imagination, your mind, your plans, your thoughts, your fears and weaknesses, your gifts and your heart, your mistakes, your moves, your soul and your spirit and your strengths. You are his child, his creation, his family, often, albeit astray in this broken world. Even if you haven't acknowledged him yet or haven't been seeking after him, he's never stopped searching you and knowing you with every minute of every day no matter where you've been or plan to go. And he yearns to lead you to safety. He knows you so well. You never have been and never will be unknown or a nobody to God. He's the only one who knows us better than we know ourselves. So I encourage you to intentionally seek him each day moving forward and spend more time in his word and in his presence, asking for healing in those areas of your heart that are difficult to travel to, difficult to talk about, difficult to consciously stay in long enough to allow healing to happen. For me, the experience in La Jolla was a sobering reminder that I was still experiencing so much grief over the loss of my friend, and I still needed healing in that area. And a year and a half later, I've been diving 20 more times, leveled up more in my training, so much so that I am now driven to help keep others safe while diving. Jesus offers healing through faith. So believe, harness his strength, forge toward healing at work with the Lord and know that he is God. He is for you and he is with you. Thank you, church.